coming from a theater background, I'd always had uh, an affinity for, you know, Eric Bogosian or, you know, John Leguizamo and his type of story. I mean, John Leguizamo was or is a stand up and then he he's written, you know, a million terrific one man shows. And so I feel like my work definitely leans towards that and has always kind of in, in a storytelling kind of way. Welcome to Best in Fest, and I'm Leslie Lapage, the director of the La Femme International Film Festival, and this is a podcast for everyone who's interested in learning about film and television and putting your creativeness out there and making it happen no matter what. And oh my goodness, I am so pleased to have Anna Toisone Parsons on the podcast today. She is amazing. She is an actress, a comedian, a writer, producer, known for her appearances in Adam Ruins, Everything on True TV, The Affair, Dexter on Showtime. She's worked with uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman's Labyrinth Theater Company in New York uh, Public Theater. And she has done the international tour of Sherlock Holmes with David Arquette. She is a stand-up comic, writer, actor, multi-hyphenate. She has appeared at the Comedy Store in L.A., the Ice House in Pasadena, Gotham Comedy in New York, and her autobiographical pilot, The Asian That Didn't, is a finalist for the Sundance Episodic Lab, and oh my goodness, I'm super happy to have you. Yay! I'm happy to be here. Thank you, Leslie. I, I, you might be the, actually the first podcaster interview that actually nailed my my last name because often people will ask and they'll still pronounce it wrong and you actually killed it. So thank you for that. Well, you know, the podcast is still young. I could goof up later, so it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But you've got an amazing story on, on how, how you got to this country and, and then from that point, the trials and and you know life events that i i would assume spurred your creativeness into who you are today can we talk a little bit about what that journey was for you yeah of course so um my mom had me at 47 in the philippines it was one of those like um really she didn't know she was pregnant kind of things uh, she was, I think, dating a guy on the Navy. She worked at a Navy base in Alangapo, and um, I think it was just like, you know, a thing. And then she got pregnant. And the, the story actually goes, this is from all my titas and all of my family members, uh, that she went to a witch doctor because she didn't know she was, she didn't know what was going on. Um, the witch doctor in the Philippines was like, yo, you need to go to a hospital. Like, there's something happening here. Um, and she found out she was pregnant and I was born, I was 3.3 pounds. Uh, I was premature. Uh, and you know, she, she just, she had me and, um, she wanted to give me a better life. So she paid someone, um, who brings people in from the Philippines to the U S and so she brought me here undocumented. Um, and she was basically a total badass. Oh my God! It kind of—I think uh, uh, my my mother and your mother must have been sisters because uh, my mother had me late, and um, uh, there's a story behind that as well. But that's amazing. So when you you got here with her, um, you know, baby in tow, or not really baby, you were like five or six. Uh, I was two. Oh, you were two. Okay. 
how did she how did she survive uh, uh you know during that that early uh area and then unfortunately she has moved to the other side uh or and moved to the other side of of you know living around when you were seven right yeah so she i mean she is the classic immigrant story you know where she came here and she was working um i think she had gotten some fake fake social security i mean she was like she was a spy and just so incredible like i mean what these what people do to give your child a better life it's like um, and she was working, I mean, I, I rarely saw her because she worked so many jobs and, you know, waited tables and did, you know, everything. And I think the stress of that led her to, she had a brain aneurysm when I was seven. So I, I mean, it was so stressful. So she passed away and then I was adopted by her sister, Annie, immediately. Um, and we were in New Jersey at the time. And then we made it out to California. So um, you know, without hesitation, Annie just said, I'm going to take care of her. I told you I would, you know, they were very close. So it's, I mean, it's interesting because as a, as a kid growing up and I, I felt, I feel like I grew up very privileged in the sense that I didn't really understand everything that had happened to me as a kid and, you know, getting papers and a green card. I was so, uh, you know, just, pr- I was like, oh my God, like, give me my car. You know, and Like as a, as an adult and as I, reflect upon everything that's happened to me I think and as a stepmom and as a person who you know friends have a lot of kids it's like wow she I went through so much and there was so much given to me and I'm so lucky to be here and be a storyteller well where did that storytelling bug uh bite you was it in the in your adolescent was it in high school where where did you decide to take this life experience and move it into, you know, creative storytelling. So, like, it's funny because I think about my the orange origins of everything, and I realize I started writing like monologues and, um, you know, stories and things like that. Actually, in middle school, and I started, you know, doing theater, and then in in high school and like early college, I was doing, you know, I was doing a bunch of theater, and then I realized theater was actually the only thing I was relatively good at. So I decided to go to New York City. Um, I went to theater school out there. I was like, this is the only thing I can really do. Um, and yeah, so that was essentially the beginning, like the b- real beginning of my true artistry, I think, as, as a straight up artist. But I was always writing as a kid. You know, I, I've got a lot of I've got a lot of female comic friends and, and I and I've done the whole searching for comics and staying up till the wee hours of the morning and and going to open mics where did that open mic bug you know hit you obviously you were in new york right oh no you were in in california right when it when it hit you it started with my breakup set so i i got dumped and i was like i need to put this somewhere i need i need it you know i and i had no idea it was always really scary to me because as an actor you're you know, you rely on the other person's writing. You rely on so much, so much teamwork. I mean, even in, in theater or in film. But as a stand-up, as a writer, and particularly as a stand-up, you simply rely on yourself. So if you suck, you you obviously get it. If you know, no one's laughing. Um, so I ended up uh, having that happen, and then I decided I wanted to put it on stage and. Um, I just discovered I was relatively good. People liked what I had to say. I mean, everyone's been dumped or, you know, had a breakup. So um, that's really, really where I started. And that really got me into um, narrative writing and, you know, writing other things. And I think it was also the lack of 
you know, things I was going out for as an actor and continue to go out for because those roles aren't written for me. Um, sort of the lack of opportunity, I decided to create it for myself. And that led to more of your writing, more of your stand-up, and then led to writing this um, autobiographical um, story, which I want to touch on, but I want to go back to the, the comedy aspect because a lot of... Um, filmmakers are now trolling the comedy stores, right? Looking for actress slash comedians or actors slash, you know, comedians. And when I was trolling the comedy stores, um, they didn't have comedy coaches, right? They didn't like, you know, you just went up for open mic and you just tried out your, your gig. You know, you just tried out, am I a storyteller? Am I, am I writing jokes? Is it one liners or am I incorporating that? Um, how did that manifest for you? Did you ever uh, feel scared? Did you did you know the type of comedian you were before hitting that first open mic? I mean, I feel like, uh, you know, coming from a theater background, I'd always had uh, an affinity for, you know, Eric Bogosian or, you know, John Leguizamo and his type of story. I mean, John Leguizamo was or is a stand up and then he he's written, you know, a million terrific one man shows. And so I feel like my work definitely leans towards that and has always kind of in, in a storytelling kind of way. Um, I'm not one of those comics that was like, I mean, I know these comics that were like, they were born out of the womb. They're like, ha like I'm just obsessed with comedy. I think I've, I've always been obsessed with storytelling. So, and, and I just found that I was relatively good at storytelling in a comedic way. So when you were um, in uh, LA and you started really doing more theater, right? You had these wonderful opportunities. You traveled internationally with the Sherlock Holmes and David Arquette, what was that like uh, doing this international tour? Uh, I mean, it's amazing. Like when you get to be in Broadway houses and you get to travel and also, you know, I don't particularly go out for it. So Sherlock Holmes was a, um, it was a reimagining of uh, of his, all, all of his work. So essentially uh, the playwright put everything together into one play. Um, and I don't often go out for the sort of Briggerton or the, you know, the British stuff. So I was like, an opium den runner, you know, the like a partner of Moriarty, you know, like being British and holding a fan and like run. I mean, I never get to do that kind of stuff. So it was it was really incredible. And and the funniest part about it was I got the audition because my friend Patrick Costello, God bless him, we went to theater school a million years ago. He hit me up on Facebook. I think he was literally like, you're the only Asian I know. And they needed they needed somebody particularly Asian. Um, and he was like, are you still acting? And I was like, I'm still Asian and I'm still acting. Yes. Um, and he sent me the script and I read and they were like, you're on board. And they, they had, they actually had cut out the part because they had originally done it with Jay Baruchel in Montreal and they were doing it for this huge tour and, uh, they, they rewrote the script and then they brought, you know, they brought the Asian me in and it happened super quickly and, you know, I'm just I'm just glad I was one of the only Asians Patrick knew because it got me that <laughs> job. <laughs> you know, it, it, it happens that way sometimes, right? Um, uh, what was it like working with... Uh, <laughs> it does. <laughs> you know, you're like the only person I know, so let's just put you in there. Um, <laughs> <but> you're... <laughs> 
but you're fabulous. So, um, uh, which is uh, kudos to you, right, for pulling it all off and doing it so well. What was it like working with uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman's uh, Labyrinth Theater in New York? Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, so I started, so Labyrinth actually has a... um, uh, a sort of a, a summer workshop, a workshop called uh, the the it's like the lab. So essentially, a hand picked. You know, I think I was interviewed by. I, I know I was interviewed by Mimi, um, Phil's wife, uh, and you know, select few get to go in. And and I and I, as I recall, like actually, it was it was a combination of both like playwriting, writing your own stuff, you know, doing acting work. I mean, I got taught by Ron Cephas Jones, who's now on This Is Us and is an incredible actor. Uh, he taught playwriting and um, it, it was great. I think that the the coolest thing about what they do is they encourage artists to take you know, their own work into their own hands. So they're not, you're not waiting as actors for things to happen. You know, a lot of them are multi-hyphenates and they're, they're writing things and creating things. So it was a really great opportunity. But then you also started, or I don't know if it was simultaneously, I'm assuming it was simultaneously, you, you, you were doing acting in uh, TV as, as well as still handling your uh, uh, comedy. So uh, when you were brought in to do some of these roles for television, was it a bit of a shock or did you find that, you know, your improv ability, your theater training and that uh, the quick wit of, you know, comedians that everyone, all comedians have, did that add to your ability to to come up with these characters? Yeah, I mean, so when I moved from uh, New York City to LA, I moved because my mom was getting older and she was uh, diagnosed with dementia and I wanted to be closer to my family. It wasn't the average, like, I'm going to Hollywood, I want to do TV. No, I I was like on a tour doing Shakespeare and I was like, I never want to move to LA. Like, I'm just classically trained and all I want to do is bard and cry, you know? Um, And so I came to LA and I just started doing commercials. Um, And when I came to LA, I found that yes, the improv and the funniness was like very helpful for booking spots. And, um, you know, I booked a huge campaign with Ice-T and Luis Guzman to be the face of a, you know, a company like, you know, the uh, AT&T girl. Um, And so I found that the theater training and all that stuff was definitely helpful. and I was just going out more and more for TV and film out here, which was really, I mean, I feel like all of it was learning because I'd never done that in New York City. Um, but yeah, I feel like all my training has like helped me in every way. Getting work. <laughs> well, then um, let's talk about this autobiograph. Uh, this, let me try that again. Let's talk about the autobiographical pilot, the Asian that didn't. How did that come to you? Where was that seed um, where you decided that this was something you wanted to, you know, pen? Because it's daring, you know, and it's, um, you know, uh, 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 really revealing your heart and the experiences you lived through. So the Asian that didn't was a born out of the, you know, need to not wait for somebody to hire me. I think um, 
out of the frustration of seeing Filipinos on television, of seeing myself on television being Hapa, I'm, I'm half, I'm mestizo, so it's a very particular um, experience in the Filipino, you know, in your Filipino life. Um, so I wrote it and it was about me being a failed Filipino because I didn't become a nurse, uh, which is, I mean, even, <laughs> especially after this pandemic, I'm like, God, I wish I became a nurse. <laughs> Um, so yeah, so it was born out of the lack of seeing, um, a, a, bir a birthing, a birthing, nurse. exactly. <laughs> like, yeah, just a failure. Cause I didn't do that. So to my community, um, but I wanted to explore, I'm really interested in the flawed protagonist, uh, especially the women that are, um, you know, just not perfect. And I think, uh, I think we've come a long way. We still have a lot, you know, to work on in terms of um, Filipinos being seen on TV. But, you know, I do tend to write a lot about the Filipino-American experience, what this comedy special is about uh, on, in my set. And, um, yeah, so all of it, I feel like, is out of the lack of seeing my type of representation and Asian representation on television, um, hopefully being a part of that change. What was it like working on that, on the uh, on the lab experience? for this pilot. I was a finalist for Sundance Lab. I actually didn't get into the lab. That's okay because, you know, your experience of going through that still got you to, to be a finalist. You know, uh, that's no small feat. That's true. It was a lot of writing. Yeah, yeah. Well, it was a lot of writing. I mean, I feel like all of those competitions, you know, they... They basically sort of put you through the ringer, but um, what I got out of it was a serious Bible and, you know, all that good stuff. So I came out with a lot of great stuff. And let's talk about this wonderful um, special that you um, did with the with two other women, right? There was three of you total? There are three. Um, one other woman, Nikki Andres and uh, Aiden Park. So we, I, in a meditation one day, I had, you know, Nikki and I met in acting class at BGB Studio, and Aiden had been doing stand-up for quite a bit, and I'd been doing stand-up with him. Um, and it was like one, I, meditation, I swear to God, it was like, do an immigrant special. You were all immigrants. And I was like, wow, we are, we are all immigrants. <laughs> we have very unique stories, unique experiences, um, I mean, Nikki was brought here, adopted by a white family with a Korean cookbook. She got sent here with a Korean cookbook. Um, Aiden learned English by watching the movie Sister Act. I mean, who, like, who does, who is this? Um, my mom smuggles me here, you know? So, so I pitched it to them and they were, they were in, excited. Um, and it took about a year of rehearsal, rewriting, um, just making sure all of the pieces were put together because what we wanted was, which I think is how it came out, luckily, was a combination of Ali Wong's Baby Cobra in her storytelling as being Asian and Hannah Gadsby's Nanette where it's it's heartfelt and it's still storytelling and it, you know, makes you laugh and cry. So um, it was great. And we, we shot it right before the pandemic. I'm not even kidding you, Leslie, a, a week before everything shut down, like a week so like we were so lucky to get it shot like i i can't i can't even believe it so uh yeah it was incredible and now it's out there on real women's network and everybody rent it and purchase it and everyone rent it and purchase it it's um you know i've seen pieces of it is hysterically funny um so you kudos to pulling this off and and actually facilitating getting it done through the through the pandemic <laughs> What would you do differently on it? Anything? 
I mean, I learned so much doing this. I've is there anything that stands out that you would go, oh my God, you know, because filmmakers are crazy, right? You know, com com comedians are, 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 are crazy. And so what, if, is there anything that you would do? I mean, there's always, you know, find more money. <laughs> it's like, get the money. Um, because ultimately that's a lot of what stuff comes down to when it comes to creation, you know, like they don't tell you that, like, um, I mean, I feel like I learned so much. I'm still learning. You know, we have another distribution offer um, happening, and that's really exciting. Um, so, and, and a lot of this in terms of like selling something, creating something, post-production something um, is very new to me because I've done things, but it's been very like, you know, independent web series kind of things, but not where everything's been leaning on my shoulders. Um I mean, I would like to say I wish we got it out earlier, but to be honest, the reception's been so great and, you know, it's it came out now and we have a wonderful LA Times write-up and, you know, people seem to be really responding to it. Um, I, I don't know. I don't think there is anything I would do differently. I think, it, I think um, we got very lucky with people so moved by the stories. I mean, Lena McAllister, who's our DP, she came on last minute. She basically, she does movies. She does like huge things. And she's like, I just want to come on board. I want to help you guys. You know, like people wanted to support us because they thought our stories were important should be out there. So I feel really blessed that um, we had so many hearts and so many creatives that gave themselves to us. So, yeah. How did the uh, financing come together? Was it, so? I, I don't know the story. Was it self-financing or was it... Um people coming together and donating self-financing the hardest to do <laughs> it's called anna's bank account anna's chase account <laughs> <laughs> which definitely means you have to sell this the bank of anna so the bank of anna has to get reimbursed by distribution <laughs> <laughs> yes exactly it's that leslie you know you know girl <laughs> I know so fondly. Um, so, <laughs> what what are you up to? Where do you project your life to be in the next five years? Well, you know, I'm, I'm working on these pilots, and so um, I, you know, ideally, I want to be a part of again what I said in terms of being the change in television. So I hope at some point I'll get my pilots made, um, and we'll you know get them streamed or get them somewhere because that's, I mean, I think ultimately as a storyteller, this like the Asian that or the um, Americanized, I feel like was it was a great um launching pad for that in the sense of you know it, it leans into being asian and our stories but i would definitely like to continue to write and um gain more visibility for filipinos in television i mean if it's happening with joseph it didn't get picked up but um joe Coy's joseph and the cleaning lady miranda kwok is like i like worship her um so slowly and surely i'm seeing uh, this on television but um i'm working on a pilot called all american aquinos it's basically um, one day at a time with a Filipino family, you know, I want to see more of Asian representation and Filipino representation on television. So that's what I'm pioneering towards. That's great. What's your advice for, uh, young ethnic women coming up the ranks, either comedians or actresses? What piece of wisdom can you bestow upon those listening to this podcast? Oh my gosh. I feel like I feel like they should be giving me advice. Um, <laughs> uh, I mean, 
you know, everyone says it's, 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 Amer it's, you know, it's the Olympics, you know, I mean, I've been acting for a really long time, uh, being stand-up comedy for a while, um, things change and evolve and things just take time, you know, like, I'm glad, you know, graduated theater school and I think a year after everyone quit and I just kept going and um, I think, it's so cheesy, but, you know, try to find your authentic self, try to find your unique voice and don't let anybody like sell you out of that and just uh, keep going. What's your next idea in scripting uh, besides your, you know, you're the, the, the pilot? Uh, do you have anything you can share with us that you really are incubating and, and want to get done? Yeah, so I'm still in rewrites for Aquinos. I um, penned a pilot called My Maputi Husband, My White Husband, um, which I might change the title because I'm like, I don't want to give him that much credit. Um, <laughs> but it's it's sort of the uh, the culture clash between a Filipino family and a white family. Um, but I'm actually the most excited about and working on like rights and things like that. I'm actually related to a very famous um, Filipino actress comedian. She was like the Lucille Ball of the Philippines. Um, she was incredible. Her name's Nita Blanca. Um, she's our second cousin and uh, she has an incredible story. I mean, if you look her up on IMDb, it's like pages for days. I mean, she's she was working since she was like a kid. Um, so I've been um, thinking about incubating for a long time, uh, writing a feature about her life. She unfortunately had a very tragic, um, very Selena kind of ending to her life. So that, you know, makes for a great story, unfortunately. But um, I've been uh, thinking about that. What, you know, our last question, what is a um, dirty little secret that you wish somebody had told you that you've learned along your travels? A dirty little secret. Oh, that's fun. Um, I don't know. Um, give me an example. What's like define dirty? Define dirty. Uh, you know, dirty <laughs> oh could be anything. <laughs> could be really dirty. The scale. Be, you know, just dusty, dusty, dirty. <laughs> dusty, dirty. Um, I don't know. That this is. What have you learned that you just wish somebody had said? Oh my gosh, you just wish somebody had told you earlier on. Um, well, I actually just thought of. I don't even know if it's a dirty little secret because I have kind of talked about it a little bit but um when I had when I first started doing stand-up and I started putting everything into you know my writing and my stand-up and things like that outside of acting I call those those years like uh, the years of like drinking crying and masturbating because that's like literally all I did was just like drink cry and masturbate um and I was real sad but out of that, you know, and even I think out of my stuff as a child, you know, I mean, I, I created a special based on, you know, storytelling, what happened as a kid that um, I guess in a way, like the trauma and the sadness has manifested itself into um, a way like in, in my world, it's it's manifested into storytelling, into film um, and that there are places you can put that, you know what I mean? Like there are places you can put all the all the hurt and the suffering and, and stuff. So yeah, I guess I would tell, I would tell myself to probably drink less, maybe masturbate less back then um, and just stick to the work. <laughs> Although maybe it helped my writing. I don't know, maybe it made it really good. Maybe that's why it was so, it was so good, who knows? I don't know, you were sad, happy, sad, happy, sad, happy. <laughs> 
why don't you uh, shout out your uh, your socials so uh, people can follow you and like you and um, and then tell us where they can tap on in to see this special. Yeah, so my Instagram is at Anna Twazon Parsons, A-N-A-T-U-A-Z-O-N-P-A-R-S-O-N-S. The same is for Twitter. Uh, I think you can find me on Facebook if you just spell my name. And uh, you can see it on Real Women's Network and is real is R-E-E-L Women's Network. You can rent or purchase at our wonderfully Asian special. <laughs> awesome. And thank you again, Anna, for joining Best in Fest. Um, for all those that want to see the video component, they can tap into the LaFemme uh, YouTube channel and va- watch the video component of this podcast don't forget to uh like us and uh dm us and let us know uh who you want us to chat with next thank you anna so much for joining best of best